Welcome to another episode of Meta Athletes the Playbook. We're bringing our coaches' insights directly to our community. Um, B, there's a something that I wanted to to dive into over the last few weeks that I think we're going to start shifting a little bit on the podcast, which I'm excited about. But before we dive into that, how are you? What's new with you? I think Quinnipiac has some games coming up, so maybe you can you can share some insights into uh, into those upcoming games. How's it going, B? Uh, I'm fantastic. Everything's good. Just um, things are slowing down a little bit with my family kind of stuff, like with uh, ball seasons are kind of over, so we kind of transition into uh, a little bit of a down period before we start getting into basketball. And um, But I do have my kids training, which is exciting. So um, you got them both training like three times a week and trying to get them into um, some good habits of you know, just athletic development, but also getting into uh, routines of, of training and, and probably in, investing a little bit more into their their own physical side of things instead of their, just their skill development. So that's exciting. Yeah, and then things uh, things are work or, or busy. We got lots of games today. I think the all four teams I work with are, are playing, some on the road, some at home. Um, but yeah, but things are going well. And then we got Thanksgiving right around the corner or so. A little bit of downtime, but you know, it's there's not a lot of there's not too much downtime that happens with with winter sports though. How are you doing? Things are good, man. Things are good. It's awesome to hear that. I'm excited to uh, to continue to follow the the Quinnipiac team. And honestly, dude, that video that they posted out from the so from Ed's hockey, oh, it was really good. We should, uh, Dom, if you're listening to this, uh, let's throw that that video or that Twitter uh, post into the, the show notes because it was really good, dude. And uh, when I first saw that Josh Dobbs video, I was like, oh, this is amazing. It's it's funny because it's like so like rough and low budget that it makes it even funnier in my opinion. And uh, I think Quinnipiac like nailed it when they did the the remake. But um how about yeah, the man. comments? Did you read the comments on No, I didn't get into it, but uh but Josh Dobbs reposted it, so I'm sure he got a ton of attention, right? Well that was that was where all the Minnesota fans were hating on him big time. They're like, dude, like what are you doing? You're gassing up Quinnipiac and but if he beat us in the national championship. <laughs> it's oh, all these Minnesota fans. I never put that together. Yeah. I never even put that together, but dude, that's that's incredible. Yeah, I need, I'll I'll spend some time today and uh, and go through it because I think that that's yeah, dude. That that was a I think he it's a great storyline for football. Him, um, you know, bouncing around to different teams and then finding success. But um, yeah, what he did on social was was, was incredible. And also, it, B that kind of ties into our overall yeah. conversation that we'll we'll kind of you know start to get into. But um, yeah, man, things are good. I feel really good right now. Just got off uh, training in the morning, which I think is going to be the the new normal for me. I've been watching you Love do it, it and and seeing how consistent you are. So I think that that's going to be uh, that's going to be key for me is to get up a little bit early and, and knock it out. But um, yeah, B. Today we want to shift gears a little bit. We we talk a lot about you know professional development, personal yeah. development, uh, training, really just the foundations of fitness and, and overall health. Um, but something that we want to you know cover and, and shift the ties a little bit on is marketing right it's a, it's a little bit of you know my world and my network and bringing on some guests that that can re- speak really well to experiences in marketing branding business building and today's conversation specifically one how to generate attention how to maintain attention why is attention important and uh and really just this concept and you know the title of this podcast is really it's really influenced by two people and the first one is Gary Vee, obviously something that I've yeah. paying attention to personally for a long time. You, you know, you, I think started to as well. Um, just great messages. I think his new book that comes out, I want to say in the spring of next year or sometime next year, is literally called Day Trading Attention. And so oh, this cool. podcast, this conversation is kind of influenced by that book title. 
Um, the other person is Dave Portnoy, who we've talked mm-hmm. about on the podcast a little bit, just kind of his, his, uh, you know, his building of barstool, his, his rise to fame, but something that, uh, he used to say, <laughs> he used to call himself like Davy day trader as it was because <laughs> he would, he would do a ton of like, you know, crypto trades and stock trades. And, but if you peel back what he was doing, he's generating attention on a daily basis through video content, through podcasting, through blogging. And Barstool is known as one of the best day trading type of companies or uh, attention day trading companies uh, just because they've been able to create such massive followings and really just this cult-like following of people that want and crave their their content, right? And so mm. um, they make a lot of their money really from attention, whether that's selling sponsorships, utilizing that attention to sell merch. They're a huge you know, merch corporation. And so- None of that stuff is really possible unless they're generating the levels of attention that they mm. they have through podcasting, blogging, video content, social media. And, you know, so that's where we kind of want to drive the, the conversation today is um, how does one even look to build attention? How, you know, where what platforms we go to, what are the tools, what are the the strategies that, that one might use? Um, and so kind of curious, you know, from, from your perspective, and I think you have some stuff to share with us too, but you know, when it even comes to like generating attention, what comes to mind for you? Well, you know, what's interesting too, Drew, is like, even though we're going to shift this a little bit more towards marketing, like this is something, and I actually had a recent conversation with an intern that um, a lot of what we learn in strength conditioning and performance sometimes is a lot of BS. Like so many people get fixated on sets and reps and tempo and how much to do and what exercises do when in reality, when it comes down to coaching, it's about, it's, it's the psychology aspect of it. Like, how do I get somebody else to do something that they didn't either want to do or didn't think that they could do? Right. And a lot of that is, is understanding how to sell and how to market, right? Like, how do you market what you do as a coach to get the athlete to be able to buy what you're selling them? When it could be, it could be an exercise, it could be a program, it could be a particular method. Um, but being able to understand marketing and being able to understand se- selling, I think, is a massive, massive part of coaching. And and I think there's a lot more tie-in um, than than we probably don't give it credit for. But like when we started to talk about this, and you and you wanted to bring bring up this topic, I started doing a little bit of research, and this is something I've noticed is that athletes over years just l- have an inability to focus as well as they probably did in the past. Right, and we we live in this world uh, where the, where there's so much information, there's so much content, and um, just listen to these stats, right? So, like on a typical day in the internet, there's 1.2 million new data that's produced by social media users, uh, 682 million tweets. There's four million hours of content uploaded to YouTube. Are you like that's ridiculous? 67 million Instagram posts. Four point. This is a day. Yeah, within a day. A typical internet day, 4.3 billion Facebook posts and messages, 5.76 billion Facebook likes, 293 billion emails were sent. Like there's, there's so many things that, that consume our attention or they're not consumer fighting for our attention. Right. Right. And then the other thing too, that was interesting with doing some of this research is that our average attention span has dropped from 12 seconds to eight seconds over the last 15 years. And so what can you do? Or what can you say to grab somebody's attention in the span of eight seconds? Because it doesn't seem like that long, right? And that's the um, that's what we're all fighting for. Like 
you're fighting for it from a marketing standpoint and trying to um you know produce the best content for the for those that you're representing but for for me too it's the same thing like how can i best utilize the words that i use right and the things that i do on a daily basis to grab somebody's attention to try to get them to do what i want them to do uh, absolutely it's it's those stats are dude they're they're shocking every now and then we hear them but you know there's a couple of things that come up to my or come to mind for me it's like the first thing is um obviously it's saturated right like just mm-hmm. content in general like what you just mentioned is crazy like how much content is being put out there um but something that i find myself you know telling clients all the time is you know you can do the right things and you can do it for years and not generate attention not find success not find momentum and so a lot of it is trial and error a lot of it is testing and figure out what works but you can certainly study too and see you know like you can spend spend some time not just scrolling social but going to the people that have found success and really kind of study their playbook and study what they do and and almost emulate it for whatever value you you, you might have but what really comes to mind is like what is the value you know like is it entertainment value is it um is it insight value is it you know industry specific value you know there's so many different types of, of value that we see whether it's educational or entertainment but really understanding who it is that you want to speak to at a high level i think is the is like the where everybody should start i remember when i started at a marketing agency um, and we would onboard a new client. Obviously, we'd talk about pain points. We talk about what they needed the most help with and, and where they're successful. But the first like order of business was let's go over your most ideal prospect and then let's mm-hmm. build a, a persona around this. You know, how old are they? Where do they live? What are their what are their internet habits? What kind of content are they watching? Um, what questions are they asking in sales meetings and informational meetings? Like really trying to understand that person so that we can cater and speak directly to them because there's that there's that saying, right, B, where it's like, if you speak to everybody, you speak to nobody. Like, it's so true yeah. in marketing where it's like, if you just throw everything out there, you might catch success, but really, like, you, you want to focus. And that's why they say, you know, riches in the ditches is because you you want to dial in and speak to somebody so that they feel like this message, this solution is for that person, right? So it's kind of like the first thing is, you know, make it, make the content revolve around that ideal prospect. Um, but what you mentioned about, like, attention span i think it's the uh i think it's a really like almost like a quick excuse of like oh our attention spans are two to three seconds there's no way we can be successful dude i know people that watch netflix for six hours straight you know like yeah i think i think their attention span for good creative content is there the issue is we're not putting out good creative content that either educates or entertains at a high level i mean I feel like my attention span is really short, but I'll sit and watch an hour long webinar if I feel like it's going to be beneficial for Agreed. me. Agreed. Yeah. Ed- educational, right? If there's a really good Netflix show or, you know, Hulu show, I'll sit down and watch for a couple hours while I'm doing something because it's it's high entertainment value. And so that's where I kind of wanted to like shift the narrative a little bit is I think we're so quick to say, how are we going to be successful in this short, you know, short attention span type of world? It's like, there's a lot of examples out there of people, you know, really leveraging and, and building not just attention, but um, but long-term engagement on on the pieces of, of creative, right? So that's where I think you know today's conversation we can kind of break down generating attention, you know, in two ways. The first one is just being creative. You know, I think we see people on like TikTok all the time, where even just like creative transitions help people watch the video throughout, you know, the full length. 
Um, but something that my mind goes to when I think about like creativity and something that's really widely shared and, and when I say shared, I mean like shared on social, like I shared to you, I shared out to my, my audience is meme content, content that's like comedic in nature, which it sounds, you know, sounds unprofessional, but if you kind of peel back some of the layers, there's Instagram businesses and accounts that have sold for $85 million just because they're able to generate attention, right? Our good friend, Ben at Killer Bears, yeah. you know, he's managing, you know, in a, in a previous world, a previous career, he's managing all these accounts. Instead of buying advertising, he decided to start managing these Instagram accounts that had all this attention built up and he utilized it to to sell apps and, and get his apps in front of new people, right? So there's this factor that, you know, attention is... Um, is, is an asset. It's something that, you know, can, it is. can really help generate the bottom line for your business. And I think, you know, some people think of it as just a, a vanity metric, but in reality, it's like, this is, you know, if you don't have eyes, even if you have a valuable product, it might not be successful, right? You, you need to have attention. You need to have that top of the funnel and, and people understanding and even coming across your business. Um, and so being creative, I think is a huge factor and we can kind of dive into that a little bit, but the other factor to be is this is kind of the world that I live in, in, in digital advertising is we're paying for ads, you know, we're, we're paying to get in front of people. Um, and the way that I can kind of best equate this is when you pay for ads, it's kind of like having like really strong real estate. You know how like people say like, we, we want to choose like a strong location for our, our brick and mortar store because we have walk-in yeah. traffic usually you're going to have to pay it a little bit extra to have walking traffic or you're going to pay in a highly populated area. That's kind of how I equate digital advertising. It's like, you know, if, if you want to be in a high traffic area or you want to, you want to have eyes on you, then you're going to have to probably pay a, a premium to, to be in this scenario. So that's kind of the difference between low population area, high population area, organic social and paid social. That's kind of how I think about things um, because really you're paying for that traffic, right? So how, how different is it? Or, you know, it's not any less quality um, if you're paying for it or if you get it organically, it's just, are you spending your ad dollar, you know, effectively? And that's where I came to this conclusion that the sweet spot is really, how do we spend advertising dollars creatively versus one or the other, you know, just being creative on social or just paying for ad dollars is how do we kind of merge those two together? And that's really what my agency focuses on is we're going to spend an ad dollar for a client we want to make sure that we're putting up high performing content that either educates, entertains at a high level so that people are getting value in some facet. Right. So that's where I think the conversation today can kind of, you know, move towards is understanding why people like this content, but also what it means for them as a consumer to kind of be an ambassador. Right. So what I want to ask you is, you know, when you think of like commercials, right. The most memorable commercials, typically, you know. Well, let me ask you: what do you, what do you like? What is the what are the commercials that are most memorable for you? You typically, honestly, it's probably, um, like things that are on during the Super Bowl. Honestly, so right. It, it, so like this is something that you and me have not talked about previously, like no. not on our pre notes or anything. But when you think about the Super Bowl commercials, the most you know they're like seven to ten million dollars for a thirty yeah. second spot. There's a reason why they're trying to be comedic, you know, with this 30 second spot versus let me try to regurgitate as much information about my product or my business as possible. They don't do that, you know, like, and that's what a lot of people think. Like, if I'm going to run an ad, I want people to know exactly, you know, everything about my business. 
it's weird, but it's it's kind of counterintuitive. But if you think about Super Bowl commercials, they're just trying to generate a feel-good moment where it's a memorable mm-hmm. experience for somebody. And it's a Doritos commercial that almost doesn't even really showcase or talk about Doritos at all. It's just an experience, right? But the thing is, people talk about it. They tweet about it. Yeah. They send it to a pe- they send it to other people. Even in person, you're talking about the commercial that was the you know like people are literally like, "What was the funniest commercial from the Super Bowl?" That they, so there's something there that I think is counterintuitive when you think about digital advertising and marketing. But there's a huge space for this meme content or memetic content, you know, whatever whatever you want to call it. But um, that's my number one response to a business that's like, man, this is so unprofessional or this is not really the route we want to go. I'm like, then why do people spend $10 million for a 30-second ad during the Super Bowl to make their content like this, right? And so that's like a huge response for me is for people to kind of get away from, I need to sell my product to I need to create an experience that people can, um, that people want to share with other people. That's like, to me, that's strong marketing is when our product, our service is being talked about in good light to, to the, you know, to their network. I think well, that you're creating kind of, a connection, right? You're trying to create a connection through the content that you're trying to create instead of just right. trying to sell a product or infor- or provide information, right? Like, I think that's one way that we can provide. It's, it's, it's one way to market or to attack. Well, let's provide think about like this. No, absolutely. But let's think about it like this. Nobody really likes to be sold to, right? Exactly. So yep. right off the bat, people off. right off the bat, you're kind of like uh, shying away a little bit. Now your chances to take that content and to talk about it or to share with somebody else is way lower than something that allows you to share something in, in a more positive light, right? Because if I had that experience, I don't want to take that experience and send it to somebody else. Why would I do that, right? Because it, <laughs> it reflects back on me. Now let's shift the narrative to um, a uh, a positive piece of content, you know, lighthearted, makes you laugh, creates the entertainment experience for you. If that happened to you, good experience. I'm going to take that experience and send it to somebody else. That's why dude, me and you send a bunch of, you know, like has pool memes or all this stuff back and <laughs> forth is because, dude, it's like, oh, this was this was a positive experience for me. Let me shoot it to be because I know that yeah. um, this this three to five seconds is probably going to brighten, brighten them up for a couple hours. So that alone is kind of where my head is around marketing right now is the connection a hundred percent, but really it's like, how do I take this experience and then share this experience with somebody mm-hmm. else? Cause that's how, that's how content goes viral. Like it, yes, shared experiences. You have to like, if it's not being shared, then you're spending a ton of money to get eyes on it. Right. So the sweet spot is we spend eyes to kind of get it into the right people's hands and then they take it and they they're like that is the distribution model for how to go viral on social is just how do you share these experiences right so the super bowl i think is the best example so i'm glad that you kind of caught on to where i was where i was headed with because i think it's the best way to show somebody like hey it doesn't have to be corporate professional content 100 percent of the time i think there's certainly a place for it people need to be educated on what it is that you're solving but at the end of the day if people aren't talking about it then it's like your value is is not being shared as much as it could be, right? And so this is almost like a vehicle to to understand value. Um, and we see that with a lot of influencers. We see that with like even probably people in your industry that have a ton None. of followers because they're a little bit more lighthearted and willing to share maybe some of the content that other people aren't willing to share. And that allows them to generate trust and views and attention online that maybe somebody who's extremely corporate does not receive, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, 
I like I have a, <laughs> I have a couple like examples in my head right now of, of people in the the fitness industry that I know generate a lot of attention because they're willing to kind of put out content that's a little bit different. But um, the the thing that we kind of touched on that I want to dive really quickly, just really deep on, is the social credibility factor mm-hmm. of what it what it does for the person that shares the content, right? So. This is something that I've kind of learned over the course of the rise of podcasting, the rise of um, a lot of like educational content coming from podcasts is I, I honestly, I honestly don't listen to Joe Rogan a ton, but he's the perfect example. I think in my, in this, this example, because there are people that um, they might not understand things at a high level, but they're sharing Joe Rogan content. And that's just, it could be anybody. It could be, you know, um, Jocko, it could be Huberman. I think Huberman's a great example. You know, people are going to share content that makes them look smart or makes them, <laughs> but it's true, right? Yeah, I never. I guess I never thought about it that way. Because, you know, ultimately people share content and they add to their stories for two reasons. One is because maybe it struck a chord with you and you just want to share it with people. Or two, I want to put something out there that builds this narrative of who I am. And I think that that is also something that maybe people don't even think about, but they're doing it almost subconsciously. You know, when I share this piece of, you know, if I'm sharing a bunch of memes, maybe I subconsciously want people to know that I'm more, that I think of myself as somebody who can provide comedic content or yeah. or be, become, you know, be a little bit funnier in, in uh, social settings. If they're sharing a bunch of Huberman content, it could be things that they align with, that they've practiced, but also because they want to be of value to people that, see that content and see that shared from me or shared from, you know, a certain person. Right. So that's also something that I think about. And I kind of label that as social credibility is what do people think about me from what I share on social, which we kind of have like full control over regardless of what's actually happening in reality. Right. Which I think is a huge conversation, but for the sake of social credibility and why people share things, I think it's an important conversation. Does that make sense to you? Like people kind of building this narrative and persona of themselves by what they share out on social. It does. I guess I never really thought about it from that perspective when when you're looking at what other people are sharing. I usually kind of think about it in terms of like what they're um, what they're producing and what they're creating on their own. But like when in context of like seeing somebody's story and what the things that that they're kind of sharing out there, I guess I never looked at it in terms of it's trying to build their persona rather than just sharing what they like or what they're interested in. Like that's right. what, it, you know what I mean? Like yeah, how I think I, that's I surface level. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a very surface level view. Like not that it's a bad thing, but I think sub, like think about retweets too. Sharing to stories, retweets, things that are like easily reshared, I think is, you know, a subconscious action of, I want people to think of me this certain way. I don't know. Maybe I could be completely wrong, but that's kind of how I view things. I don't know. You're 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 a lot more savvy and a lot more experienced than I am with that. But when it comes to like, if I see somebody else reposting somebody else, I think they're supporting that person. You know, that's why I look at it. Like they could be supporting a person, a friend, um, not only just the content, but just supporting that person or support, right. supporting that business. No, no, that's that's absolutely is. part of it. Yeah, you know, and and that I think that goes a long way too. It's like it, it, who are the brands that you like, or who are the people that you like, and that you're kind that- of constantly sharing that out. That is also part of building your narrative of like, there's a reason why if I see something on Chipotle's page and I'm sharing it out, I want people to know, I know not that it really matters, but it's a, it goes back to what you mentioned earlier, shared connection. If I'm posting a bunch of content about Chipotle and there's somebody that I know that also loves Chipotle and that's something that we share, 
that's an easy shared connection that happens because I built a narrative around what it is that, you know, kind of speaking to your point, what it is that I like and care about and support, but it's also building the narrative of who I am so that I can find shared connections with other people in my network. Um, so I think it, it's not a, I'm not saying that one of us is right or wrong. I think they're both factors into social credibility. Um, something else be, and this is kind of the, the last factor that my agency kind of deals with a ton is I call it like pay to play, which is like, it's such a factor in the last couple of years versus what social media was almost 10 years ago. Pay to play is, is so significant because, you know, to try to generate attention requires a ton of studying, building, creating, posting, analyzing, reporting, and then taking what's working and, and kind of doubling down. And like for somebody like you, like full-time job, family, it's tough to create content, put it out there, analyze and try to figure out, you know, what's the direction with content. And so a lot of our work with our clients is instead of going down this long, you know, arduous process of, you know, creating content and, and seeing how it works, which is critical, it's definitely a part of it. But how do we provide value to a business within the, you know, the week that we started with them? It's pay to play. It's, you know, we take great content that we know is high performing and we put that and target, you know, our ideal customers on social, right? That's something that you probably heard, yeah. but there's so much we can do when it comes to pay to play. Like it could be, you know, bringing people back um, to a website that they visited within the last 60 days, right? Retargeting. Um, but a lot of it has to come down to if we're going to pay to play and we're going to spend money and, and add dollars to generate attention, we have to figure out creatively what is going to be most high performing so that when I spend $100, we generate a ton of views, a ton of attention with that $100 versus using the $100 to test content, right? So mm. the huge thing that we think about when we work with clients is let's do organic content for one to two months and then based on which which one of those posts perform the best. And a lot of it is like qualitative data. It's not just, you know, how much got the most views, but it's like, you know, which one's got the most shares, which one's got the most comments, what type of comments were these posts getting? And then we utilize that content for the paid advertising side, right? So um, it's something Gary Vee and his team called brand performance um, or brand formance, I think is what they call it. But um, it's essentially testing on organic and then taking the insights there to paid versus just trying to test and spend, you know, unnecessary dollars on on paid advertising. But um, why why that makes sense for a lot of our clients is they know exactly who they want to go after. And to do that on organic social might take six months. It might take a year. Wow. It might take two years, right? To, to really start generating a, an audience in organic social. In paid social, we can do it in two days. You know, like we can literally take their most ideal customer, build an audience and send content directly to those people in two days. And so it's, you know, part of it is just immediate value. That's why people hire a paid paid advertising agency is because we can you know start to target these people within a you know a few days versus you know organic social or even you probably heard like SEO like search yeah. search engine optimization that stuff takes months and maybe even years for you guys to to you know really find momentum and and generate conversions from it paid social we can do it twenty four to forty eight hours right so. Well, What's yeah. the process of that like? Like, how does that work? Like, do you have like special software? Or, like, you know, the, the, the analytics tools? Like, how does that yeah. work? Yeah, so so we're searching, you know, we're searching for the ideal platform. And so most of these platforms and social platforms, like, if you think of like a Facebook, Instagram, 
they have their own advertising platform, right? So it's a it's a software that we utilize, which is free for us to use, you know, and then you have to spend ad dollars and dedicate ad budget. But um, you pick a platform and every social platform has it. Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn. Um, we specialize in Facebook, Instagram, and Google. Those are kind of the, the main three. And, you know, for, for Google, we do a lot of search advertising. So people that are in the market and intentional, how do we know? Because they're literally searching for these these topics, right? On face, uh, Facebook, Instagram, it's a little bit different. It's, I would say, less intentional from a in-the-market perspective, but more so we can target based on their internet behavior and their affinities. You know, do they follow a bunch of pages about the NFL, NHL, fitness, cooking, you know, there's there's thousands of parameters that we can target and build audiences from. But if we have, let's just say we're working with a hockey company, we can literally target, you know, 500,000 people that um, have some type of internet behavior that lets us know that they're a fan of the NHL. So for a hockey company, you know, within 24 hours, we're literally targeting hockey fans. Um, if we If we're working with a plumber, we probably wouldn't utilize Facebook advertising, which is more of a visual aesthetic platform. And we'd probably target just on Google. Um, Interesting. You know, Hampton, Connecticut, plumber near me. Yeah. You know, Connecticut, plumber near me. Like very intentional. And for this plumber, they're only really spending money when people are clicking within their area, searching for their service, right? So we want we have to understand what the client is looking for, how, how they generate business, um, and then the advertising process is really, you know, create the ads, target the prospects, and optimize. And that optimization process is let's put up 10 different ads. We run it for a week. These three ads did best. So we're going to shut off the other seven and run these three. And then we'll optimize it again. We'll throw up 10 more ads. And based off of the insights that we learned from these three, it's like we need to double down this type of ad. And then we do the same thing. 10 more just like this. After a week, we optimize it down to three, right? So over time, we're getting refining. Closer, closer. Yeah, we're just refining it over over time. What's tough on social is that comes in the form of creating different types of videos. But the smallest little thing, like, you know, let's go to the beginning of the conversation. You talked about, you know, a couple seconds of, of attention span. So we can run a video. Let's say we run two different videos. One is like, it just goes directly into the video, high value. If somebody watches it, they, they get exactly what they need, but they might not even make it to the value aspect, right? And mm. the first two to three seconds, we have a different video that tells you exactly what you're going to learn from this video. That video will 10X, 20X, 30X views just from being able to hook a viewer in, right? So I'm sure you've heard of that a ton, right? Yeah, the hook. So we have two of the same exact video, but one has an opportunity to basically inform the user, this is going to be of value to you if you watch this whole video. And the other one is just the video. Mm. So those are the insights that we learned. And we go back to a client and say, hey, look, we ran these videos. This one had 700 views. This one had 700,000 views. You know, like, and, and now they know, you know, it, it not only gives them attention, but it teaches them how to build more attention for the future and what kind of content they should be doubling down in, right? So there's a lot that we, we learn there from, paid advertising platforms um, and really a, a lot that you can learn from your business. You know, Hey, did you guys know that we ran this advertising campaign last season for the holiday holiday kind of gift giving season that 97% of people that click through on ads were females. 
they might not even know that, you know, 97% of people are, we sh- are we gearing our content towards, you know, hockey moms or are we gearing our content towards the most ideal prospect based on the information that, that we're receiving from these platforms is something that they can learn. But, um, does that make sense to you in terms of the advertising process? Is there anything else? It is. Yeah. It's extremely interesting. It's a, uh, it's a science in and of itself. It's something that, that yeah. I've become more aware of since, you know, our friendship has grown. And so I've got to know you a little bit more. Like it's, I'm complete. I'm fascinated by it because, um, even in coaching on a day-to-day basis, you're trying to get somebody's attention. Which, right. You know what I mean? It, obviously yeah. you're talking about it through, through social means in a, uh, a different kind of engagement platform, but I'm trying to do it in a, in, in person. Right. You know, it's the same right. type of thing. Like how do I, how, how can I, you know, utilize my vocabulary or my words or my body language to be able to get you to understand, to, to trust me. Right. Cause that's what it, a lot of it comes down to is like, if from my, from what I'm understanding, whatever value I'm putting out, whatever content I'm going to put out, how can I get somebody to trust me and, ge- and generally think that I'm authentic, that I have well, their best self-interest. So I yeah, can try to no, help absolutely. Them. And so, I mean, you hear people talk about it all the time. It's this company is so authentic. This personal brand is so authentic. Um, I think in reality, it's I trust them. You know, like that's that's what they're really saying. So what you're talking about in terms of coaching and how this kind of relates to marketing is one, you have to build trust so that people lean in a little bit more and they're like, when when B talks, I should be listening. You know, I think some of the things that I see from from other comments on Twitter is, when B tweets, it feels like he's talking directly to me or this yeah. is the message that I needed in this moment. And dude, you don't know how many people like have messaged me that of like, every time he tweets, I feel like I needed this message. Right. So uh, it, cool. it trust, like over time you're building trust of like when B tweets or when he says something, I should be paying attention yeah. and kind of thinking about this. Right. So you're building trust. But the other thing too is um, when it comes to attention, I mean, this is something that I've learned as a coach over time. You know, I've had so many different tactics, how we, how we talk about strategy, how we talk about team dynamics. I mean, dude, if you're a whiteboard type of coach, you know, like sometimes, you know, this is something I learned over time too. It's like just switching from whiteboard coaching to video coaching. Yeah. Like that's the difference of like white background image versus um, highly aesthetic video content for a product. Right. It's like, this works. It shows, it shows what the product is. This one people watch and they start to lean in a little bit more. Right. And so when I, when I was coaching like peewees, I just remember I was trying to like, you know, 30, 45 minute sessions on the whiteboard, pick on people, make them come up and and explain what (laughs) I just went over. And I just felt like it was so, it was so old school that I realized that it wasn't effective. And then the minute I know we switched over to start doing video, you know, we video sessions, video meetings, the kids were highly engaged. Yeah. They were getting the concepts, but they were so engaged watching themselves mm. on video that they're paying attention at a high level. Right. So to me, that's the difference of like, let's put out this type of content for this versus this type. This one might work. This one is going to yield great results. Right. And so why wouldn't we test and see which one's going to provide us a, a better result and then slowly move towards let's get rid of the whiteboard meetings and let's start moving more towards video meetings, right? So that's kind of where I equate marketing from the coaching side of, of what you're talking about is you have to build trust. Yeah. But you also have to utilize pathways that make Different it mediums. less and less friction, right? 
And so there is a there's a lot that we have to adapt to in marketing when it comes to that stuff. Um, one last thing on a, on a software that we use, B, and I have a really good example from a client that we we actually just posted for last night. And so in a previous world, this client would, you know, before us, they would just post to Instagram. That's all they cared about. They didn't really understand, you know, at a high level why Instagram was so intentional for, for this client. But they would just kind of post here and there, camera graphics, things like that. You know, they they have a Facebook, but they weren't really, really utilizing it. And this video overnight got 700 views on Instagram. But because they hired us, we also took it to every platform. It's also a, a really well done video too, but just because they hired us and we want to produce more attention for them, we put it on TikTok, YouTube Shorts, and Facebook Reels. So three platforms they weren't utilizing before. The video got 700 views on Instagram, um, 2.3 thousand on Facebook, 1.5 thousand on YouTube, and another thousand on TikTok. So we generated, you know, I think I calculated to close to like a, a nine, just between like a nine and 10x on video views, just wow. from posting to other platforms. And this is the cool part is we utilize a software called Repurpose.io. And what that software does is we link up all the social accounts and some of them we created. So we created, you know, the uh, the TikTok account for them. We synced up all the accounts and what Repurpose.io does is it automates the posting to all the other platforms. So we just still post it on one platform, but it syncs it up and through marketing automation, post it out to TikTok, YouTube Shorts, Facebook Reels. And so without lifting a finger, we generated almost 10X on video views wow. just from utilizing the software, which is like, I think it's like $12 a month for each client, right? So it's um, it's incredibly helpful. But for this client specifically, they went from 700 views to almost 7,000 views just from this piece of software, right? The the most interesting factor there is they might think like, why, you know, why should I be posting on YouTube? Why should I be posting on Facebook? This, this video that is, you know, like an Instagram video type of content. We don't know until we see the, the results, right? So we posted this video overnight. We saw that we got most views on Facebook. Okay, now the video editor, instead of making it for Instagram native, now video content is going to be made uh -huh. for Facebook and then it's going to be distributed everywhere else, you know, through automation. But we're going to make it for Facebook now. Interesting. So whatever cover image, whatever trendy music, whatever, whatever ways we can make that video better for Facebook is what we learned is because that is our most engaged audience of people that are sharing this type of content. So, um, yeah, repurpose.io, great software, and obviously all the advertising software that we use from that are that are pushed out from each of these platforms. But um, what do you think, B? I'm impressed by the science of it all, and it, you know what it is like. Like as I hear you speak more and more, it, it there there's so much psychology involved, right? Yeah. Like there's so much psychology involved in terms of. Uh, getting somebody's to to pay attention, right? That, that's what it is. Like, how do I get somebody to pay attention in whatever window of time that I have and whatever platform they decide to use and just try to strip things down and narrow things down to be able to make the most effective reach uh, in connection with the with the individual that I'm trying to target. Like, it's, it's, it's absolutely fascinating. Yeah, I think the, the most interesting factor there, psychology is, I think people have a tough time... Um, it might be a little bit of ego, but it's the psychology of the other person. It's the psychology of the ideal prospect that we need to dive into. Not 
what do I think is going to do best? Mm. What do I like? What What is the favorite, you know, color, font, logo that I like? It's like, no, we have to kind of put that aside and, and put forward what is going to perform best, right? And so um, those are conversations that we have to have with clients all the time is, hey, me, I have opinions, you have opinions, but all that really matters is your customer's opinion, right? So let's let's put out testing material that allows us to understand what it is that the market or the the, the customers are are really, you know, connecting with at a high level and then doubling down on that. I think that that's, in reality, that's really what a lot of marketing is, is um, it's a lot of testing around and it's a lot of that, the science that you mentioned. It's like, everybody has a general idea of things that could go really well. And some people, they know, like they've done it for so long. They, they're so creative with marketing that they don't have to test. They just know that this is going to hit. Like, I think of like somebody like Ben, like Ben from Killer Bears. He knows what's going to do really well because yeah. of years of experience of him testing. So he's kind of built up a put in the reps. understanding. Yeah, he put in the reps to understand, like, I don't have to spend $5,000 to test what's going to do mm-hmm. well or not do well. I kind of have a hunch of what, you know, what's going to perform. Yeah. But that's because he understands other people's yeah. psychology of the market versus just what he thinks might do best, right? So, um, so B, I think this was a great conversation. I think that it allowed me to kind of chime into a lot of the, the insights of what we do at Mile 62 and, and working on digital advertising campaigns with our clients. But um, hopefully some good insights for people that are thinking, of, you know, if they're a small business or you're, you're trying to build a personal brand, um, that these insights could be taken and, and implement, uh, implemented into their own process and strategy for generating attention. And um, yeah, I mean, if I, I hope that there's you know people that listen and have more questions and follow-ups so that we can maybe spin this into one or two more episodes. But um, to. anything else, B, anything else that's top of mind for you when it comes to generating attention? No, I think the, um, I think the biggest thing is just really, it, like it, it kind of said at the end is you just got to try. Yeah. Like if you're not experienced, that anything that we say, B. Yeah, you got to try. You got to put the reps in. Like, I think that that's like the the foundation of like almost all of our conversations is there has to be a level of execution. Yeah, to understand, you know, how to how to really proceed. Yeah, and that's so many people. I think, uh, you know, like in coaches that I, you know, that I work with and that that I kind of mentored, um, they want to get into you know posting content, but they're afraid to. They're afraid to understand like to put themselves out there. And instead of looking at it as a as a form of self promotion, think of things things that you're putting out as sharing, right? If Absolutely. you spend all this time investing in your knowledge, investing in your uh, investing in yourself, and wanting to become the best coach that you can, why would you not want to share that information out? And then when you share it, then you got to figure out what starts to sick. But it's um it's it comes down to a lot of the things that we that we talk about. It, it's it's being aware. Um, and then being willing to put the reps in and show up on a daily basis and, and be, be willing to fail, be willing to make Absolutely. mistakes that like, that's There's, the only way you're going to learn. Yeah. I mean, like I've, I always use this as an example cause I think it's interesting, but I have like two to 3000 Instagram followers, right? Like it's not a huge audience, but I've done an incredible amount of business through my Instagram connecting and networking and, and, um, building relationships with people. But my, I do not have a high level of trust of the content that I put out there. When I put out content, it's, you know, a hundred views, 200 views. And I had a moment a couple of weeks ago where I like put out this video. I'm like, man, nobody really liked this video. Or should I take it down? And then I was just like, it's kind of like, for me, it was actually a mirror for like me putting in the reps because I would love to refer back to these 200 view videos 
when I stayed consistent and started pushing out videos that are generating 10,000, 20,000 views, it's, you know, it, it's awesome to see that process of buildup. It's something that I'm personally going to start dedicating a little bit more time to with case studies, <laughs> honestly, more meme content for me. Cause I think it's, it's such an important factor for me to connect with other people too. But, um, I had that moment where I was just like, man, should I delete this video and just like get it off? So if somebody comes here and they didn't see that, I just generated 200 views. And I was just like, no, I'm going to keep it because I want to leave this level of process that that I was able to rise up from. But um, yeah, B, I completely get it. I mean, there's there's definitely um, this this fear of even just the uh, perception of failing, right? Mm. Because in reality, I mean, 200 people, like, you know, if 200 people were in a room, that's a pretty sizable audience, right? But this is a perception of failing because you're you want to compare to other people. But um, yeah, B, I'm I'm fascinated by this stuff. Like on a daily basis, I want to figure out you know how we can generate more attention, views, and results for clients. And so it's it's really like a why for me. Like every day, I'm listening to something. You know, a one hour podcast, one hour marketing mm-hmm. book, and a lot of these concepts come back to, you know, of course you want to have undeniable value and results for clients, but a lot of it starts with the ability to generate attention. And that, yeah, I think we see that in so many different industries of like high value, but inability to create attention leads to, you know, not as successful outcomes. And so it's something that, um, I continue to learn and, and, and develop, but, um, yeah, great conversation B great good luck this weekend with hockey. appreciate the conversation. You too. See you Drew. Right. See everybody next week.